God, this is a day of, of celebration, a day of newness as we stand at the threshold of what could be uh, the promised land that you have uh, for your vision of your church and where you'd like to take us. But Father God, I pray for my brothers and sisters that uh, we come before you this morning broken and humbled and willing, Lord, uh, to be obedient to you. <clears throat> Father God, I, th I think that that's what you really want more than anything is for us to confess, Lord, where we've gone wrong, and, Lord, to return to our first love, which is you. Lord, I pray that you would restore to us the joy of our salvation, the remembrance of our salvation, and, Lord, creating us a heart that loves you more than anything else in this world. Father, take these, uh, these tithes and offerings that we give and use them to your glory. In Christ's name. Well, good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Eichert. I know that for many of you, this is your first time here, so thank you for joining us. And if you are here as a friend or family member of Michael, I want to thank you for coming and showing your support for him. I know that your presence here is encouragement for him, as well as encouragement for this church to see that their new pastor has these relationships and friendships. My name is Brian Miller. I've been the interim pastor here for about the last 10 months. And so I have been asked to share some words reflecting over this season that we've had together. And I hope that the words that I offer you now are words that will prepare us for what today is about and what we are really celebrating today. I've been reflecting over our season together, and wow, there's so much that I could say. So much love that you have shown to me, I don't know how to say thank you for it all. As I was reflecting over these last few months together, I actually looked back at the calendar and saw that April 22nd, 2012 was the first Sunday that I gathered with you. Perhaps that seems like a long time ago. Perhaps it seems just like yesterday to you. What's happened since then? What, what has taken place in these last 10 months here at First Baptist Eichard? Well, for one, we've gotten some great new microphones. So, Michael, you can be very thankful for that. Hopefully you won't have to stop mid-sermon and switch to a different microphone. But far more important, I believe that what I have observed in this church is that you have begun to realize at a deeper level that the church should not be defined by the equipment it has or doesn't have, by the building in which it meets, by the music it sings, or even by the pastor who leads. Those are not the things that should define the church. Rather, what you have been learning and coming to realize at a deeper level is that the distinguishing mark of a church is the God she serves. The God you serve. Because think about it with me. Think over these past ten months. Equipment, building, music, pastor. For the majority of our time together, these things have been uncertain. But what has always been certain? It is the love of God for you. 
Because God demonstrated his love for you in a real and concrete way when he sent his one and only son to this earth. Jesus faced every temptation that you and I face, yet without sin. God demonstrated his love for you when Jesus came and he lived the perfect life that you and I have not lived. Only to die the death that you and I deserve to die in order to give you the reward that only he deserves. And I believe that over the past 10 months, God's Spirit has been reminding us of his love. And so in response to reflecting upon his love for us, many of you have grown in your love for him, and it has been a joy to watch you grow. But I truly believe that the person who has grown the most in the past 10 months is the person standing here before you today. I don't know how to appropriately express my gratitude for you. You have been so gracious to me. You've been gracious as I have stepped into the waters of pastoral ministry. You've been attentive, you've been faithful. You've actually showed up week after week after week. That's always encouraging for a preacher, right? You have loved me and my family. You have rejoiced with us in the expectancy of our firstborn son. You've given me honor that I truly do not deserve. Thank you, First Baptist Iger. Continue all the more with Michael. See, we celebrate today because we serve a God who is faithful. A God whose love is everlasting. You have prayed for a pastor. And today God says, I heard your prayer. And I have answered favorably. So today we don't just celebrate a man. We celebrate the God who has brought us this man. We celebrate a faithful God. And so today, as you look forward to a new season, I encourage you to keep the faith. Keep trusting this one who is so faithful. Keep the faith by holding on to these two promises. Number one, God will complete in you the good work which he has begun. And number two, God can do far more and far greater than anything you or I could ask or imagine. That is the God that we serve, and it is him that we celebrate today. Will you pray with me? Father, you are the God who is faithful to a thousand generations. Your loving kindness is abundant and abounds forever. And so, God, we celebrate you today. We turn our hearts towards you and ask for you to speak to us in this service, in this moment. Lead us today for where we are to go tomorrow. Father, we rejoice in your love. Help us to make our home in your love. 
And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. This is new for me. I'm not a I'm not a preacher. I'm not a speaker. I'm just a child of God that loves Him. And Brother Michael asked me to uh, to read some scripture and say a word to you this morning. Uh, I'm Troy Nix from High Show Baptist Church. Uh, Brother Michael uh, has been with us for five, just a little over five years. He, him and God has blessed our church tremendously this, uh, these past five years with the knowledge of the Bible and the ability that God has given him. He has, he has truly been the pastor that, that we were looking for, that we had prayed that God would, would send him our way, and he did. And we thank God so much for him. And uh, I noticed that song a while ago here in the power of God, I stand. And really that's the only reason I can stand here. Because like I say, I'm not, I'm not a very good speaker. I, I never claimed to be and never did really want to be. And, uh, but God has blessed me so much. And uh, not only, I noticed in the bulletin it said that I was a friend of Brother Michael. Not only am I a friend of Brother Michael, I'm a brother to Brother Michael. And me and him is going to spend spend eternity together. And uh, and we we really loved him. And but you know God has been preparing him for five years. It took him a while. <laughs> been preparing him for five years to come up here. To be your pastor, and the spirit that I felt in this service already this morning, you are going to be blessed. This church is tremendously, God has great things for you. You don't come into the church and feel the Holy Spirit like I did this morning and God not be here and I'm just I'm just so thankful that that I got to come I got to meet you I got to uh, say just a few things that I know my wife always asked me what you going to say I said I don't have any idea <laughs> I don't have any idea I 
uh, when I get up, what I say comes from God, not from me, because I am nothing. God is everything to me and uh, and my family. Uh, he's He's everything to our church. But not only does Michael start here, but God, he hasn't let us know who who he has for us. And he is preparing somebody right now. And he knows who it is. You see, it's not about us. And it's not about who the pastor is. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. And through and through him, no matter who, no matter who we are, or no matter who God sends our way, he's going to bless us, and he's going to be with us, and he's going to help us. If you have your Bibles and you'd like to turn to Hebrews 13, 7 through 17, I'd like to read this before, before Brother David comes. It says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an, an altar from which those who serve the tents have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin or burnt outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. And those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Saw Troy and Becky over there just a few minutes ago and uh, we love you guys. Appreciate your words and uh, know what Michael's meant to you and uh, know that we've been praying for High Shoal. Be praying for you guys because we love you dearly and, and it's, a, it's an exciting day today and it's a day of change for two congregations. 
And that's something that we embrace and we, we take one step at a time. And it's, it's certainly a, a joy and a privilege for us to be here with you this morning to be a part of the service, to formally install Michael Pardue as your new, new pastor. It was a great gift when God brought Michael and Rachel and their kids into our lives uh, several years ago. And I'll, I'll try not to make a mess up here, okay? I'm a pretty emotional guy. Um, but uh, at the time, Michael and I were both serving in our first pastorates, and God knew we needed a friend. And, uh, and he gave us certainly much more than we could have hoped for. Uh, we love Michael and Rachel. We love their kids. They're a lot of fun, and, uh, and we know that you're going to uh, love them as well. We thank God for them. We thank God that he's seen fit to unite uh, this family with this congregation. I want to uh, briefly look at the text that, that Troy just read for us from Hebrews and just think about uh, this morning uh, five things about your responsibility as a body of believers uh, towards the Lord and towards uh, the man of God that, that God has brought to you. I uh, appreciate what Brian said earlier. This is about, about God. This is God's house. And the beauty of God's church is uh, what we do as pastors is we carry the mantle for the next person. We carry the mantle for the next person. We preach the word. We're faithful for the next one to come along and to lead God's people. And so this morning, first off, I want to look at, look at what the Bible says that the church should be doing. Uh, if you'll notice there in Hebrews 13, verse 7, it says, the first thing, imitate your pastor's faith. Imitate your pastor's faith. Remember your leaders who spoke, to, spoke the word of God. Consider the outcome, outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Uh, church, if you don't already know it, uh, let me let you in on a little secret. Pastors are not perfect people. All right? Somebody in a pastor's family just kind of chuckled. If you, if you think they are, ask, ask, uh, ask a wife. Ask a family member. We're not perfect people, uh, but faithful pastors are men who serve as under-shepherds of Jesus, the perfect shepherd of his flock. Mike will be the first person to tell you he's not a perfect pastor. Um, if you think he is, you guys have got the wrong man. Okay? But... If you're looking for a pastor who's looking to Jesus, then you've got the right man. He loves the Lord. And uh, he's, been, he's been blessed with a lot of formal education, a lot of ministry experience for his age. He's very mature in his faith, and yet he's continuing to grow in his faith, not primarily because of his education that God's blessed him with, not primarily because of the great experience he's had in ministry so far, but because he's following Jesus. Imitate his faith. The Apostle Paul, who wrote some very difficult things to the church in Corinth, also wrote to them, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. Paul says, imitate his faith as he's looking to Jesus. Here the writer to the Hebrews says, imitate your leader's faith as they look to Jesus. Watch his example and how he humbly follows Jesus and humbly follow Jesus in the same way. So imitate your pastor's faith, number one. Number two, treasure the gospel together. I won't read that whole text there, but in verse 8 
through 11 of Hebrews chapter 13 that Troy read for us, it begins by saying Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the writer goes on to expound on the beautiful, uh, amazing, uh, glorious gospel that God has given to us, this good news in Christ. And church, I would encourage you, I would implore you this morning, you must treasure the gospel above all things alongside your pastor. The pastor can treasure the gospel, but the people must treasure the gospel as well for God to do great things in this congregation and in this community. Guard your hearts as Michael guards his own and encourage you to walk in your walk with Jesus. Keep the gospel first in everything that you do and all that you do as a church. The reality that a holy God has made a way for sinners to be redeemed through the perfect life, the sacrificial death, and the glorious resurrection of his son Jesus from the dead is the best news in all the world. I hope that's why you're here this morning. I hope that's why you sang these songs this morning. It is about our King Jesus. And it always will be. And we must treasure this gospel above all things as God's people. The third thing, suffer and serve together. Ministry's tough, church. I don't have to tell you that. It's tough. But the beautiful thing about this thing that God uh, created in the church, the body of Christ, is that we are in this together. Hebrews chapter 13, again, verses 12 through 16. I, I won't read it all, but it begins by saying, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his blood. Therefore, let us go outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. The church's call to suffer well in the world reveals the truth of the gospel, church. We're to suffer well when sickness comes our way. We're to suffer well when it's just hard. Because ministering to, ministering to people is difficult work. No mess, no ministry, as one professor once told me. Uh, but we, we bring Christ into the situation. And you're called as a church to minister to the needs of others rather than seek the fleeting comfort that this world has to offer. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. You're called to live a life of praise to God and a life of love towards other people. So church, suffer well for Jesus and serve Jesus together. Fourthly, follow your pastor. Follow your pastor. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, because it will be of no advantage to you if that's the case. The Bible teaches us here that God's people are called to obey and submit to pastors. In our culture today, obedience, submission are seen by many as very offensive words. The Bible tells us they're life-giving words. They're life-giving words as we obey and submit to Jesus and as we obey our leaders. A relationship between a pastor and a congregation should be one of joy. One of joy. Don't forget that, church. The Bible teaches that in some way, Michael will one day give an account to God for your souls. This is a burden that he bears. So let him bear it well. Let him bear it well. Let him do so with joy and not with groaning because it will be of no advantage to you. A pastor who's constantly beat up by a congregation is of no use. 
to a congregation. Church, follow your pastor. He's serving you for your joy in Jesus. Fifthly, pray for your pastor. Pray for your pastor. Pray for us. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 18 says, For we are sure that we... For we are sure that we have a good conscience, desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. Church, if you want Michael to lead you well and serve you well as your pastor, then you need to pray for him. Martin Luther said it is the toughest of all the disciplines of the Christian life, and that is prayer. This coming from a man who prayed for several hours every morning. More than most of us do in a week. Prayer is hard work, and yet you need to pray for your pastor. Pray that he would keep his relationship with God first and primary. That he would continue to deepen his relationship with the Lord so that you will be the beneficiary beneficiary of his time with the Lord. Pray that he will love and lead Rachel well so that your church will be a church that, that displays the value that God places on marriage, beginning at the top with the pastor and his wife. And portrays a beautiful picture of Christ and his church to the watching world. Pray that he will love and lead his children well so that they will thrive growing up in a home of a pastor and not just survive. Pastor's kids should thrive at home and in church and not just survive. That's our prayer for our kids on the mission field. And that's our prayer for Michael's kids, Michael and Rachel's kids here in North Carolina. That you guys would love them and pray for them well. Pray for Michael and ask God how you can best serve alongside him in this journey together. Those are my five points to you, church. Uh, And now it's my turn to talk to Michael for just a minute. You guys can listen in, okay? That's all right. Five points of responsibility just briefly of the church to its pastor. Now let me give five points of challenge to Michael. Number one, brother, watch your life. We've had some great times over the last almost five years together. Um, We've hurt together, cried together, laughed together, studied together, prayed together, and done all sorts of things in ministry together. And uh, we have to watch our lives. 1 Timothy 4.16 says, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. Great Prince of Preachers Charles Spurgeon once said of pastors, our character must be more persuasive than our speech. Our people pursue Jesus only as much as we do. And so their passion for God will only be as great as yours is. Stay in the word, brother. Satan's desire is to to destroy pastors so that he can destroy churches, so that he can destroy the witness of Christ in this world. Resist the devil and he will flee. Pursue your joy in God in all that you do. Watch your life, Paul says, and by doing so you will both save yourself and your hearers. That's the word of the Lord. Secondly, love your wife and kids. 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7 gives the biblical qualifications for elders. I'm not going to read that text this morning. Familiar to most of you, I'm sure. Brother, you meet these qualifications or we wouldn't be here this morning. 
Um, I just want to focus in on that rhetorical question that Paul asked in verse 5 when he says, if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? I believe that Paul makes it clear that your ministry begins at home. It's not just a trite saying, it's a truth. And you and I know that, brother. So I charge you to love and cherish your wife, care for her. For in doing so, your marriage will be blessed and your ministry will be blessed. Ministry opportunities come and go, but your marriage is for a lifetime. Love and lead your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. We'll always have ministry outside of the home. But as we know already, we only have a few short years to lead our kids well. We only have a few short years to train up these six wonderful children to change the world for King Jesus. So, brother, love your wife and your children and lead them well. You're a disciple of Jesus first, a husband second, a father third, and fourthly, you've been called by God to serve as an elder in the church of Jesus. And so that brings me to my third point, preach the word. Preach the word. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5 says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Uh, Michael, God's called you, and he's gifted you, and he's grown you. In your preaching of the word, preach in his power and not your own. Preach for his glory and not your own. German pastor and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote concerning preaching, a true evangelical sermon must be like offering a child a fine red apple or a thirsting man a cool glass of water and then saying, do you want it? We must be able to speak about our faith so that hands will be stretched out toward us faster than we can fill them. Do not try to make the Bible relevant. Its relevance is axiomatic. Do not defend God's word, but testify to it. Trust to the word. Trust to the word. It is a ship loaded to the very limits of its capacity. Preach the word, brother. Fourthly, always be evangelizing. Paul wrote that pastors are to do the work of the evangelist. Some of us are more gifted at that than others. Some of us struggle. But this means that a past, as a pastor, we're called to model. You're called to model for your people what it means to share the gospel with others. As Mark Dever has reminded us, we don't fail in our evangelism if we faithfully tell the gospel and the person is not converted. We fail when we don't tell the gospel at all. Evangelism itself isn't converting people, it's telling the gospel, church. You don't have to be a quote-unquote evangelist to do that, do you? You have to be a child of the living God. 
to tell this good news. We don't hope to evangelize. We do it knowing that God is glorified in it. It's not guilt-driven burden. It's a joyful privilege. So whether preaching, whether out in the community, whether leading a men's Bible study, whether doing one-on-one discipling, always be evangelizing. Lastly, shepherd your sheep. Shepherd your sheep. Acts 20, verse 28 says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Here again I quote Spurgeon, because he's so quotable, as he referred to John Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress when speaking about the responsibility of a pastor in shepherding the sheep that God's entrusted us to. He said this, I am occupied in my small way, as Mr. Greatheart was employed in Bunyan's day. I do not compare myself with that champion, but I am in the same line of business. I am engaged in personally conducted tours to heaven, and I have with me at the present time dear old Father Honest. I'm glad he's still alive and active. And there is Christiana, and there are, the, there are her children. It is my business as best I can to kill dragons and to cut off giants' heads and lead on the timid and trembling. I am often afraid of losing some of the weaklings. I have the heartache for them. But by God's grace and your kind and generous help in looking after one another, I hope we shall all travel safely to the river's edge. Oh, how many have I had to part with there. I have stood on the brink and I have heard them singing in the midst of the stream and I have almost seen the shining ones lead them up the hill and through the gates into the celestial city. Do not forget, brother, God has called you to a great role, a great responsibility in people's lives. My time is up. It's dangerous when you invite several preachers. You know that. I just want to say that, um, church, we, uh, we're excited for you. And we will be praying for you. And we look forward to coming back and spending time with you. He didn't tell you we'll all be back next week. I'm just kidding. Some of us won't be. But we look forward to coming back and to see what God's doing. Look forward to hearing reports from Michael. Uh, we talk on a weekly basis, and it's just great to uh, hear what he's doing. And, Michael, I just want to say, brother, uh, I love you. And it's a, it's a high calling that God's placed on your life and, and on the tougher, uh, the tougher role, and that's the pastor's wife. It's a high calling. And I say that to encourage you, not to point you out. Rachel's just like my wife. She doesn't like to be pointed out. Love on your pastor. Love on his wife, church. I pray that God will continue to bless you and to keep you. And to strengthen you and to provide for you as you seek to love and lead this congregation for the glory of God. Amen.
Brother Michael, as we prepare to enter into a covenant relationship, let me read the terms of that covenant. Led by the Spirit of God, the pastor agrees to the following. Seek the mind of Christ and the guidance of the Holy Spirit in all things. Be a person of integrity in his family, the church, and the community. Be loving and gracious to all. Be diligent in work according to a work schedule shared with the church. Use his ministry gifts, knowledge, and wisdom to glorify Christ through the church. Provide spiritual leadership to the church. Lead the church in planning and implementing ministries that fulfill the Great Commission. Preach to instruct, inspire, and enable the church for ministry. Coordinate baptismal services, officiate weddings and funerals, and de or delegate these responsibilities. Mediate conflict to produce healthy, productive relationships in the church. Lead the church staff and delegate responsibilities to staff members or church officers. Lead the church through the leadership team. Be with it in its task and delegate responsibilities in that team. Counsel other church leaders and ministry teams about their work. Evangelize the lost through preaching and through personal discipleship of Jesus Christ. Care for persons with special needs and lead others to be involved in caring uh, ministries. Respect church members' ministry gifts and encourage members' growth and involvement in the life of the church. Represent the church in the community and denominational activities. Michael, if you agree with God's help to uphold your end of this covenant, would you say, I will? At this time, we'll sign that part of the covenant, Brother Michael. Got one? Go ahead. I brought my own pen. Good. <laughs> and church, <clears throat> here are the terms of our agreement. Led by the Spirit of God, the church agrees to the following. To be loving and gracious to the pastor and his family... Pray for spiritual power in his life and work. Respectfully relate to him as God's anointed leader for this task. Support his leadership with active participation in church ministries. Talk with him about personal concerns instead of talking about him to others. Provide resources for doing the work to which he is committed, including a competent and loyal staff members as needed. Provide a salary and benefits commensurate with the duties of his office. Free him to do the work to which he is called as other church leaders and members fulfill their responsibilities. Annually provide a fair, impartial, and constructive ministry review. Church, if you are willing through God's help to uphold our end 
of this covenant, would you please say, we will. We will. And it's my great privilege to sign this covenant with Brother Michael because I just feel like we're going to have a tremendous ministry opportunity together. And Michael, we also have a gift for you. And I can't take credit for this. This was Karen's idea, and it's just beautiful. Uh, This stone has this scripture verse written on it from Genesis 31, uh, 48. This stone will stand as a witness to remind us of the covenant we have made today. And it has Michael's name and the beginning date of his ministry. So, Michael... Good morning. I hope you truly meant that as you were singing those words. As you said, I give my life to the potter's hand because when you say words like that, you better watch out because he will change you. It's, uh, as I think back, it's hard to uh, believe that I've known Michael and his family sitting here, 98, I believe it was, when I first uh, met them. And it's, uh, it's an honor to be here today and to see uh, how far he's come. Uh, being in youth ministry about 30 years and seeing many, uh, Michael is, is a fine young man. I, I will be honest and tell you that. We've had, we've had some fun times together and a, a lot of memories together, and I won't tell any stories on him today. <laughs> but uh, he, is, he is a wonderful man and a good friend. And it's a blessing when, if you're in ministry, a teacher, anyone in that field, and you see someone grow to be a young adult and and I still have contact with him, and I see what he's become. I know he's going to be a wonderful leader for this church. And one thing I heard Brother David say that is more important than anything this church can do is pray. There's no, no, no more important thing that you can do is pray. Missionaries across the world will tell you what's, what's the uh, best thing that you can do for them. They'll tell you prayer, prayer, prayer. And I don't mean just maybe once a week, I mean every single day that you wake up, be praying for Michael and his family and Rachel and his children there. I'm going to be looking at passage in First uh, Peter this morning, First Peter uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. The elders who are among you I exhort... I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God 
resist the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory, by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory, be, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. May God bless his word. As I stepped into this building this morning, I was telling Michael, I've been in this building before. Several years ago, you were having a judgment house here, church. And I brought a group of young people and adults in here. And you know, you're expecting a young person's life to be changed. But we left here that night. An uh, adult man was saved here in this place that night. And you know, as I came in here this morning, my wife and I were talking about God is in this place. We truly feel his presence here in church. I believe with Michael and his family, God has great things in store for you. And I, I will be praying for you. I will commit to pray for you each and every day. And I thank you, and I pray my blessings on each of you. God bless you. Good morning, First Baptist Church, Ackard. I know you're there. I can, I can hear you breathing. We're, we're very thankful to be in the Lord's house today. We're very thankful to have an opportunity to come and be a part of this particular uh, uh, day. It is, a, it is indeed a blessed one and a, and a very special one for a number of people. Uh, it is our joy to uh, recommend to you uh, Dr. Michael Pardue as a, uh, an extraordinary brother of the Lord, uh, an extraordinary preacher, and what uh, uh, I'm convinced uh, has been and will be a great pastoral leadership for you. Uh, I bring you greetings from the Ringgold Baptist Church of Ringgold, Virginia, uh, who are big Michael Pardue fans, and uh, by extension have become big First Baptist Church of Eckhart fans as well. So we are, uh, we are delighted to have the opportunity to come and share with you, and um, uh, I, I know what, my time is brief. Michael said I had less than 45 minutes to share this message that normally takes, you know, takes about that long. Um, don't panic uh, just yet, maybe in a little bit, but, but, but not right now. Uh, I hope you brought your Bibles with you today. If you have, we're going to encourage you to turn with us to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 5 and beginning in verse 17. And I'm going to ask you to do something for me, if you would. Please stand up, uh, reverence the Lord's word as we read there together this morning from 1 Timothy chapter 5 beginning at verse 17. The scripture says, The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. 
And those who continue in sin, rebuke in the presence of all, so that the rest also will be fearful of sinning. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in a spirit of partiality. Do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourself free from sin. No longer drink water exclusively, interesting in a Baptist church, uh, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. But Paul goes on to say, The sins of some men are quite evident going before them to judgment. For others, their sins follow after. Likewise, also deeds that are good are quite evident. And those which are otherwise cannot be concealed. You may be seated. I was very excited about that, having the opportunity to come and share with you, Dave, for about three different reasons. Number one, I, I always enjoy, uh, uh, it's been a while since that's happened, I suppose, but uh, I always enjoy you know, going to a different state and preaching. Uh, I, I live in the state of confusion and chaos, so it's really nice for me to get out sometimes and make my way over into a different place, someplace like this. Um, it is a, uh, uh, secondly, it's marvelous for me because Michael is a good friend of ours, and uh, the Lord brought him into our lives uh, several years ago, and we have just come to uh, love him and Rachel and the kids uh, as part of our family, and it is a real joy to have the opportunity to share with you guys today about that. And thirdly, and uh, uh, certainly not least on my list. To be honest, I'm very thankful to have the opportunity to share this passage with you because it's one of those passages that um, I've always believed ever since I started in the ministry that it was important to share the whole counsel of God. In other words, everything in the Bible is relevant. Everything in the Bible is necessary. Everything in the Bible should be embraced and and celebrated and and shared. Um, To be honest, this is one of those passages that you can never preach as a pastor. You know why? Because people think you're self-serving. So I'm going to share it with you today because this is probably the only opportunity I may ever get to actually to use this particular passage. And I just want to look at just one, and I know it sounds like I'm going to go on in this huge tirade. I'm not. Uh, in fact, what I would like to share with you is just this one verse, and actually just the part of this first verse that we read. Uh, the elders, and by the way, um, elders, bishops... Shepherds, you know, we kind of lump them all together under the Baptist doctrine as pastors. Um, The elders who rule well are considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in teaching and preaching. And I would say to you today, I'm going to give you some suggestions how to make what Paul gives here happen in this church, okay? Me and y'all are very quiet. Okay, very quiet. You're making me nervous. Um, Michael, this may take a little longer than I anticipated. Uh, <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me knock these down for you. Let me, first off, let me share with you this. Whose writing is this, please? Yeah, this is the Apostle Paul, right? He's writing to first, he's writing, he's not writing to first Timothy, he's writing to Timothy. And Timothy is a pastor, he's giving him instruction, that sort of thing. Now, uh, the verse that I read you, listen to it again. Uh, the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor. Is there a question mark in that particular verse? Is there, a, is, is there some kind of... Uh, 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 some kind of statement that has to occur first in order for that to happen. No, it's a straight-up command, right? It's a straight-up kind of command. This is how it is, Paul says, uh, not only to Timothy, but to the church as a whole. Who is Paul writing in, favor, in, in, in lieu of? Who's, whose words are these through Paul? God's words, right? So this is God's command. So this is where we're at. I want you to kind of get, get, get with me and, and, and kind of deal with this. God has commanded that this is so... 
that for your pastor, that you're calling today, that you're bringing into this field, that you're bringing into this work, this ministry, he has called for you to count them worthy of double honor. Now, the big question is, how do we do that? Well, actually, there's some very simple things that you can do that I think will be beneficial. The first one is this, and it's been said at least twice before today. You should pray for him. Amen? No, amen is the proper Baptist term. Amen, yes, okay. You, uh, amen. You, you should pray for him. i tell you what, the, one, two of the most shocking things that ever happened to me uh, uh, in, in church life, and I've been at this for 27 years now, uh, came about as a result of prayer. I, I remember going to the first church that I served right outside of seminary, and uh, I had struggled with the decision, and, uh, and, and it was hard for me to, you know, kind of make that plunge and, you know, kind of go and be a full-time uh, minister because that wasn't really uh, anything I'd really planned to do when I was a young person. But uh, when I got there, there was this lady came up to me. Uh, interestingly enough, she, she had the same maiden name as my wife. And she came up and she took me by the hand and looked me in the eye, and this is what she said to me. She said, oh, that's what you look like. And I said, pardon me, ma'am, I don't understand. She said... She said, I have been praying for you for the last 14 months. She said, I did not know your name. I did not know your face. But she said, I have prayed every single day for you. I said, that's amazing. And she said, and now you're here, and now I finally get to know what you look like. She said, that's so marvelous. I said, this is great. You and I are going to get along famously. I heard a similar story about Michael in this particular situation as well. So I, I'm, really, uh, I'm really keen on that. Uh, the, other, the other lady was something else that happened, uh, it, it's been just a few years ago, there was a woman who had served in a church with, uh, with, with me when, when, kind of early on in my ministry, and we were somewhere else visiting, we happened to run into him, we were just so glad to see him, that sort of thing, and she came up and took me by the hand, she said, I want you to know something before we, we part, we, we, we visited a little bit, and then she got ready to leave, and she said, I want you to know this before we, before we leave. She said, when you came to be my pastor, I prayed for you every single day. I said, man, I really appreciate that. You don't know how much. And she said, you know what? I still continue to pray for you every single day. Man, you could have hit, you could have pushed me over with a marshmallow. I mean, she was just, I, I thought, wow, what an incredible commitment this woman has to, to, to believing in God, to continue to bless my ministry, even if it didn't immediately impact her, because she realized something that everybody here should realize. We're all on the same team. You should pray. Another way you can show in double honor, you can show up. Hear me what I say. I learned a long time ago, you have church with the people who show up. You can't have, no matter how wonderful other people may be, no matter how talented and ability, you know, the kind of abilities that they may possess, no matter what other things they might be able to bring to the table, it does no good unless they actually appear. So let me encourage you to make this part of your, day, your weekly routine, building up to it every single day, that you're going to come together and you're going to worship God and you're going to pray for your pastor and you're going to seek after what God wants to do with this congregation right here. Here's another thing. You should serve with the gifts and talents and abilities that God has placed in your life. He's given you all something. Some of you have given a number of things. 
But here's the case. Those things really don't count too much until you actually put them into practice, until you actually start using them. And so I would suggest to you that the big problem with church these days is not a lack of leadership so much as it is a lack of fellowship. So don't you be caught being guilty of that. You get in there and do what you can do. Uh, It might be amazing, actually, if you start doing things, it might be amazing how God will multiply that, and you'll find that you're doing things that you never thought it was possible, because that's certainly what's happened with me. Here's another thing. Love your pastor. Love your pastor. Now, I realize that a lot of you say, well, you know, we, we, you know I, I always love my pastor. No, 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 no. See, it, 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 being a pastor is, I'm convinced, one of the most difficult jobs out there. It is as tough as it gets. Now, I realize that when you see him for 30 minutes or so on a Sunday morning, that that doesn't seem like he does. Yeah, I had a guy tell me, he said, well, you only work 15 minutes a week. I said, yeah, and for a lot of people, that's too long. But here's the case for me. I'm convinced that, a, that, that, that what a pastor has to do I mean, really what God calls him to do is one of the most difficult things anybody can be asked to do. Because what he has to do, he has to stand in that middle spot between a congregation of us, you know, people, humans, sinners, and a holy and mighty and all-powerful God. And he has to be the one who communicates what that holy, mighty, all-powerful God has in mind. Now, he's not the only source that that comes by, but I'm telling you, he's one of the main sources by which it comes by, and that is a terrifying thing. They read the passage earlier today. It said, he is one who has to give an account for your souls. I'm not sure what, exactly what that means. But every time I read it, it makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. So I say to you, without any fear of being contradicted, you need to love him. It is a difficult thing to be a pastor, and I tell you what, it is one of the loneliest places you'll ever be. You say, Brother Steve, he's around people, he's going to be around people all the time. No, no, it is one of the loneliest places you will ever be, because if you're not very careful, you can end up feeling completely isolated in a crowd of people. Some of you need to take the initiative, and you need to make sure that he knows that you love it. Can I tell you how to start? When's his birthday? That's what I thought. Know his birthday. By the way, let me me throw another one in there as well. Not only love him, love his family. Can I tell you this? You need to know Michael's birthday. You need to know Rachel's birthday. You need to know their anniversary. You need to know the names and the birth dates of all the kids. And you need to see to it, church, that they believe that you love them. And it ain't enough for you to say it. You need to do something about it. Here's the other thing. You need to keep the main thing the main thing. Now, Let me share what that means as far as a pastor is concerned. It is very easy for a pastor in our day, in this culture, to get distracted. There are always things that need to be done. 
I have a list back at, at church, and every once in a while I'll look at it and just kind of whimper because there are all these things that need to be done. And I tell you what, people don't mean to do it, but they keep adding things to that list on a, on a daily basis. These things you don't need to be done. These things. Can I tell you what the Bible requires of a pastor? Can I tell you what the Bible says they must do? Primarily, it is three things. They are to study the Word. They are to pray, to get the word from the Lord, and they are to preach. Now, everything that doesn't fall inside that context. Now, there are certainly good things that happen. I'm sure Michael you know, engages, in, I know that Michael engages in them routinely. But here's the thing. You've got to keep him back in that spot where he actually is doing what it is God wants him to do. See, anybody and their uncle, pretty much, can go, uh, I don't know, say... Uh, Pay a visit on a uh, shut-in person? Almost anybody can be able to do that. Almost anybody. That is not the exclusive place of a pastor. I mean, I understand sometimes there are places and times and in, 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 in situations where a pastor kind of has to step in and, you know, nobody else's touch will do. I got that. But as a general rule, that is not what God has called him to do. He can get buried in administrative issues to the point where he can't really get anything else much accomplished. But God never called him to be administrative. God called him to be the mouthpiece for him. And I tell you, if you will put him in a position where he has to know what the word says, where he has to, don't, don't even let him up on this stage until you know he has a word from God. If you'll make him do that, if you'll make him box with God until he realizes how short his arms are. If you'll chain him to his Bible and tell him, don't even step away until you've got something that God has for me to hear. If you look him in the eye and say, I love you and I'm praying for you and I appreciate you, but you've got to be able to tell me what God says. Then, and only then, Will he become the pastor that you need? And you will become the church God wants. You've made a good selection. I love Michael Pardue. He's been a blessing to me. He can be a blessing to you if he's not already. And I believe with all my heart, just walking around these pla this place for the last, uh, la la last day or so, um, just been listening to what the Holy Spirit says, you know, just, just listening. God has some big things in mind for here, but only if Michael does his job, and only if you do yours. It is past time. These days where we just open the doors and think somehow or another people are just going to you know, flock in. Listen, friend, what God needs of this place, what God needs of you, is he needs his church to stand up. He needs the church to arise. He needs, he, he, he's tired of, of, of second-class discipleship, second-class servanthood, church coming in somewhere down the list of priorities, ten, nine or ten down the line. He needs somebody as individuals, as church people, who will stand up and say, this is what God is doing, I'm going to be a part of it, and whatever he needs me to do, let me serve him.
in order to do that, you need somebody who can faithfully, clearly, concisely communicate the Word of God. Michael Pardue can do that. But listen, friend, you've got a responsibility to him, and he's got a responsibility to the Lord. You should remember that always, that it's not somebody, it, it, it's not that, you know, that he's just up here because, you know, you, you guys have assigned him a title, and because he's got a few pieces of paper hanging on his wall, and because, you know, this is, this is what we need in order to function. It's more than that. But I think if you will, if you will, if you will just grasp hold of what God has placed in front of you, God is going to do something remarkable in this place. Let's say we start this morning. I want you to do two things for me. Three things. First thing is this. Um, Michael will probably be okay with me saying this. Um, do you know that you should learn to say Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, let's all practice. Amen. Okay, very good. That, that's really, you, you would be surprised. Is that going to help you? That, yeah, I thought that was going to help you. Um, it, it took, I came to a church uh, this, this last one. They didn't, they didn't say it. They were, I mean, it was, like, it, was like, it was like, I don't know, a tomb. <laughs> you know, I mean, everybody, everybody was just so quiet. You know, nobody, and, and they tell me that, you know, that certain congregations are like that. They're just very quiet. Don't you be that way. Man, if Michael tells you the truth, you can say amen. You can say amen because there's an amen in heaven. Amen. amen. Okay, very good. And, and say, well, I can't. I just can't seem to, you know, I, it's hard for me to say that. Really? Y'all talk about everything. I mean, you talk about everything. Surely you can say amen in the Lord's presence if what's being told to you is the truth. Would you keep your sense of humor about you? Michael's a hilarious guy. He really is. You, you, if you've been around him any amount of time, you, you learn that about him. There are some people who just think that laughter has no place in the Lord's house. Can I share something with you? Scripture would say otherwise to you. Here's the thing. You ever notice the people that hung around Jesus? I'm, I'm closing. I really am. You ever, you, you ever saw the people in, in the Bible? Who does Jesus hang around with? Well, Jesus hangs around with rough people, right? I mean, he hangs around with uh, uh, the gluttons and the, and the wine bibbers, to use the King James terms. Uh, you know, the harlots and all those sort of people. The, 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 kind of the, the second-class citizens, the folks at the bottom of the, of, the, of the scale. Has it ever dawned on you that those people love to be around Jesus? Do you suppose that Jesus could have made them love him without having a sense of humor? Because I don't. When I read in the scripture, when I, when I read about uh, the, the kids, you ever read the, the story about the kids coming to Jesus? They were just so busy, you know, coming to Jesus, coming to Jesus. All these little kids are hanging around. And, and some of the, you know, us dignified folks, we, they, they, they started shooing the kids away. Remember that? It's one of the few places in the Bible that, that, that the Bible says that Jesus really got absolutely angry. And he said, you allow these kids to come to me. Do not... Shush them away. Because he said, the kingdom of heaven is like this. You know what that tells me? I've never met a kid that couldn't run away from a sourpuss. <laughs> Maintain your sense of humor. And here's the other thing. Encourage the man. 
Encourage the man. Find a way sometime within the next 12 months. Take a day. Pick a day. Out of the hat. Do something for Michael. Say something to Michael. Communicate something about whatever, by whatever means God gives you the, the grace to do. To encourage him with no expectation of getting anything back out of it. Just that. And you know what will happen? God will use you to be a blessing to him. And then he'll use him to be a blessing to you. That's what God requires. I'm a firm believer in the power of prayer. Are you? This is what I'd like us to do. We're going to ask Michael to come. We're going to ask Dr. Kackendall to come too, if he will. Um, and we're going to pray for Michael. We're going to start right, t- right here, right now. You know, we're going we're to actually, believe it or not, we're actually going to practice something that was preached. That's kind of how God intends for it to be. And so what we're going to do, I tell you what, uh, Rachel, I know this is a big step. Can you and the kids come up here too? Okay, very good. I want you guys to come down here. I want everybody, c- if you can get down here or around here or however far, you just may as well get used to this because this is, this, is, this is what, you know, this is the kind of stuff God's going to have you. You say, I'm not comfortable coming down there. Well, you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone then because God has some things that you're going to have to do. If you think this is traumatic, <laughs> you ain't seen what's coming next, okay? So I, I'm just kind of trying to help you brace up a little bit, trying to get you there. And, and what we're going to do, I want you guys to come down here and I, we're going to pray for Michael. We're going to pray for Michael, we're going to pray for Rachel, we're going to pray for the kids, and we're going to pray for the ministry that God has given to them. Now, can I get you to come up forward and, you know, kind of, okay, very good, very good. Good morning, sir. Good to have you. Good man, good man. All right. You see, I will, you, yeah, see, that, that's very nice, very nice, very nice. Jesus says this, you have not, because you ask not. We're going to ask this morning. And I'm going I'm to start the prayer, we're going to hand that one over uh, and, and complete it. I want, I want, but, I, but, but, but don't let me do your praying for you. Would you just let me get us started? And seriously, pour out your heart to the Lord about what he wants to do in this place. What he wants to accomplish with this group of people, what he wants to do with this family. If you and I will arise, God will pick us up and he will take us to places we can't even imagine right now. Would you bow your heads with us while we pray? Precious Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of coming into your house today. Thank you, Lord, especially for the knowledge that as we stand here on this platform, that we can feel your presence near to us. Lord, if we could just close our eyes for just a minute, it's almost like we can hear the angels' wings rustling in this place. And we know that the power of your Holy Spirit is descending here. Lord, we feel this call to be a call of you. And we're thankful that Michael has been willing to, to follow it. We thank you for him. We thank you for Rachel and the kids and all that they mean to us and all that they mean to so many other people round and about, but especially, Lord, to what they're going to mean to this congregation. And I pray for this congregation, Lord. I pray that you will bless each and every one of them in such a way and touch their hearts in such a way that they'll have no other alternative than to follow you in the direction that you would have for them to go. I thank you for the privilege of being a part of it. 
And I just pray that you will just speak to our hearts today and continue to speak to our hearts in the days to come as we seek to love you and serve you and become the people you'd have for us to be. Lord, we can't rise up on our own, but if you've told us if we will humble ourselves that you will exalt us. So help us to humble our hearts and lift us up in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for the privilege of just being able to continue in your presence. Uh, You've been good to us, certainly better than we deserve. And Father, we've gathered here today to see a new beginning, a new chapter written in the life of of this church family and this community, and and hopefully as it touches the world. And Father, I just pray for Pastor Michael. I pray that as he preaches the whole counsel of God, that Father, he will be able to have the wisdom of God to be able not only to preach about the truth, but to preach the truth in such a way that it becomes experiential in the life of these folks that are here and many who haven't even showed up yet that you're going to bring to be a part of what you're going to do in reaching a lost world to yourself. Father, I pray for Pastor Michael in these days. I know it is a desire of his heart to, to go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days out of the year. But Father, you didn't build us that way. Uh, you didn't cause us to be that way. So I pray that you'll remind him of the Sabbath. And that, Father, he will give back the Sabbath that is rightfully yours because if he doesn't, uh, then he'll have to pay for it. And I pray that that won't happen. I pray that the people, as words have already been uh, challenged, that they will understand his need for a Sabbath of rest, that he'll be able to renew and refresh so that he will be energized to be the servant that you've called him to be as he leads this family to be salt and light in a community that is in desperate need of it. Father, I pray for his family during these days that you'll strengthen and encourage them, that you'll use them and and enable them and empower them and call many of them to serve you in the days to come. I pray for Pastor Michael that you'll give him the skin of an alligator and the heart of a dove. For Father, we live in in a time that not only does the world seem to jump on us, but unfortunately there's times even in the church folks are saying things that are just hurtful. I hope they won't say it. But if they do, I pray again for that, that toughness of, of the skin, but the softness of a heart that will love them, uh, that will serve them as he serves you faithfully. Father, I pray that you'll help him to be and think like a missionary. Uh, I pray not only will he be able to exegete the word of God, but he will be able to exegete this community in such a way that he will lead the people to reach the lostness that's all around us. And Father, a little while ago, the people here made a covenant with you and with Michael, uh, and and that covenant was never to say behind his back what they haven't already said to his face. I pray that that will be absolutely true. It will never be broken. And the things, not only that, but all the other covenant pieces that are wrapped in all this together will be something that these folks and Brother Michael will remember as they have done before you, that they will honor you with this. And Father, because of all of this, I'm convinced that you're going to bless them, you're going to use them, and Father, together as churches that make up an association, a state convention, and a national convention, we're going to see people across the street and around the world touch for Christ like we've never seen before. We're going to see the 100,000 plus in our two counties here that, uh, that have no relationship with any kind of a Christian witness at all, being touched with Jesus, the good news of the salvation in him. The, the making of disciples who will then make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. Make this place a great sending place. Make the times of gathering sweet 
make the times of gathering challenging. But, Father, remind each and every one of us that we're going to spend more time in the scatter than in the gather. And, Father, as we go, let us make the disciples you've told us to make. Give strength, give courage, give challenge to each one of us that we might be the witnesses you've called us to be. Bless this day. Bless the, the beginnings of this new chapter. And, Father, I pray the writings of this, this chapter will go on for many years to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've got just a basic 45-minute message prepared. <laughs> I wasn't really sure I was next. I was glad Scott went ahead and changed the screen so I could make sure. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for coming out um, from, uh, from my family and uh, friends who've come out and been supportive this morning. Uh, I am excited about what God is going to do, uh, not only in our life, but in the life of this church. Uh, we have been warmly welcomed already, uh, thanking everybody who came out yesterday to help us unload that U-Haul. It's amazing how much quicker it came off than it went on. <laughs> and uh, so, but we appreciate that. Uh, we do appreciate your prayers. Um, but I want to challenge you with one thing, and, and I know it's time for, for Sunday school and lag groups, but starting next Sunday, uh, I want to just start in with... A sermon series from the book of Galatians, and you've probably seen it maybe in the bulletin, and you'll see it in your Sunday school material. Uh, but I am hoping each week to, to the best of my ability, articulate uh, what the gospel is. Not only for us, I think so often we think about the gospel as that thing we heard when we got saved, but the gospel is how we live and breathe and have our being. It is what sustains us and carries us. And so I hope that you'll commit to some time over this series to invite somebody to church. Um, I don't know if you have thought about that before, uh, but as Brother Steve said, people don't just show up. That day is gone and over. And now people come to church when someone like you who invests in their life invites them to come. And so I hope that you'll plan on doing that over these next few weeks, that you'll invite the guy that works next to you, the, the lady that you see at the bank, someone that you encounter, invite them to come. Don't do it because you've got a new pastor, but because that new pastor is hoping to share with them how their life can be changed by the gospel. And I, I hope that you'll commit to doing that, and I hope that you'll be back next Sunday, uh, that we can get started. And I just look forward to what God is going to do uh, with our time here. Uh, we don't know what tomorrow holds. Uh, we don't know what is ahead of us. Uh, but I'm confident that God has good things planned uh, for his people. Uh, so um, the work is ahead and to do, but I want to thank you for today and how much this means to me and my family and just for your participation in it. So Kenny's going to come and share some announcements with us, with us and then we're going to, to wrap things up.
Well, indeed, we do have work to do. Um, our servant deacon of the week uh, is, is Brother Mike McGee, and uh, please feel free to call him uh, if you have anything uh, that you need this week. Uh, a lot of work coming and a lot of work coming quickly. Uh, Brother Ned asked me to remind everybody that uh, sign-ups for the youth barbecue uh, are on the back table as you get ready to exit uh, over here to my left. Um, consignment sale coming up uh, March 14th, so that's a week after uh, the barbecue. Uh, Miss Audrey wanted me to uh, let you know that next Sunday is the, the drop-dead deadline uh, for letting her know uh, whether or not that your children are going to be going to Woodlawn Baptist Church uh, with teen kids uh, to see the Easter drama there. She said it's not recommended for very uh, young people, but she definitely needs to know by next Sunday uh, so that she can get the tickets. That cost is free. Uh, just please let her know. Business meeting, uh, Wednesday, March 6th, and Miss Lena uh, passed these guys, they passed these uh, out last week, last Sunday evening. Uh, this is what we're going to put our money uh, for China in. Uh, for those of you who haven't picked one up, please do. Uh, we'll turn these in uh, the last Sunday in June, and any money that you can collect, you know, spare change, whatever you have, uh, put in there. Um, we'll turn that in, and all that money will go to China. She also said to remind you that date night is coming up uh, this Saturday. So ladies and youth, if you can come out uh, at 530 here, uh, meet her in the gym from 530 to 930. Uh, she's in need of some more help. Uh, we don't know how many children are going to show up, but shoot just a party family alone uh, you're going to need about eight or nine twelve workers so uh, please come out uh, and support that uh, cause and brother Mike has uh, barbecue tickets in the back if you'd like to pick a packet of tickets up to sell those uh, I know they at my school they go pretty quickly so see brother Mike I also have flyers I'm assuming they're on the back table so you can take those and put them out at your uh, your business I feel like Troy, who was up here, who said he was the inarticulate one, and I'm going to be quick. I want to thank everybody, every gentleman that came up here before me, because all I did was take notes for things to be thankful for so that I could re-mention them again. And I, I want to say that this was what I was going to say, but I just did this, and so we can run through it pretty quickly, although it's some pretty serious stuff, but... Actually, I said, had some of those things down to say, so I feel pretty good. I'm in pretty good company, if you know what I mean. But let's, let's just look at a few of the things that we would want to thank the Lord for, be encouraged by the Lord for, and maybe be challenged a little bit by the Lord about. And here are the things that I took down that I thought were worthy of re-mention and there were obviously others but these were the ones I was able to write fast enough to get down God has brought you a new shepherd you should be very very thankful for that it's an answer to prayer I know Michael I know his family I see mom and dad sitting right here and I will tell you this I knew Michael when he was about what 16 Marvin something like that when I came to Hickory Cove Bible Camp, very quickly, 
the administrator had to leave. We didn't know it at the time, but 30 days after I came there to be the head counselor, he was gone, and I, I was, like, in charge of the whole thing. No experience. And I went to Marvin. I said, Marvin, I need some counselors really bad. Could you help me? Because East Taylorsville had, had, uh, had an association with camp for a number of years, and Michael was one of those counselors that came. Did a fine job. We became really good friends and went on as he went forward in his um, seminary work and his academic education and theology to be a teacher at our camp. So I'm very thankful. I know his capabilities, and I can commend him to you because of my experience. He also happened to meet his lovely wife, Rachel, at camp. Three of the couples we have at camp right now that are married met at camp. If you have a son or daughter you're ready to get rid of that's of the right age, (laughs) send them to a Christian camp. They'll find somebody. (laughs) All right. Amen to that one. We all all serve a great God, one who is able to do far above all we think or imagine or could wish for. Let's give thanks for that. Let's turn our hearts to him and say thank you, Lord, for that, because you have a great opportunity now, and I'll mention that in a minute. Another suggestion was imitate your pastor's faith. It's true, being a pastor is hard, but with your encouragement and your support, it can be much easier. You're a family. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing to be a community and a family that can go from here out and impact people in this community. Lord, thank you for that provision you have made. Pray for your pastor. Pray without ceasing. One of the brothers that got up here said, came up here, spoke up here, said, character must be more persuasive than our speech. I don't remember who he quoted, but I'll quote, I think it's St. Francis of Assisi who said, preach the word everywhere you go. Preach the gospel everywhere you go. And if necessary, use words. Live it out, people. That's what we're talking about. So we pray, Lord, that this opportunity this community has here will be grasped and that they will excel still more And that they will take that opportunity and be a bigger, more effective, more loving group of people in this community. And heal the brokenhearted and help the afflicted and bring others to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Lastly, well, not lastly, but close to lastly, Marvin mentioned the potter's hand. And I, uh, I, I'll tell you this, if you will do that, like Marvin said, God will answer. About four years ago, I had, I had left camp. I'm still there, but I just was no longer the leader at camp. It, it just finally, after six years, got to be more than I could, could do physically. And we have a new leader. But I started praying. I wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning every morning and I can either read for a while but most of the time I pray and I prayed Lord this is what I want you to do 
I, I don't have a ministry right now, and I'm preparing for whatever may come next. But I want you to do whatever you have to do to make me more like your son, Jesus Christ. Now, that's scary. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you the story. I'm just going to say this. The Lord gave me a ministry for the last three years. This is the hardest I have ever had in my life. It broke my heart. And yet there were times when I was in it that I had more joy than I have ever known. So do that. John Piper has written a little booklet called Risk. Read it. It's very short, very challenging. Lord, I pray that we and the people here would just seek your molding of their lives. Another one was honor your pastor. Pray, encourage, and support him so he is empowered to do you well. And the last two are mine. Actually, they're stolen. Well, they're borrowed from Thessalonians. Paul said to the Thessalonians, you're doing a really great job. And I think from what I saw here, you, you are. From what I've heard here, you are as a community of believers. You actually sing. You may not say amen much, but you sing. And that's great. I walked around and just was watching that. And a lot of times I see groups that don't. I don't want counselors from the last. I saw some 70-year-old people here I'd like to have for counselors because they were singing, praising the Lord. And lastly is this, and this is biblical. You, uh, you can ask me about it later if you want, but good relationships are born and maintained through sacrificial love. You want a good relationship with your wife, your husband, your pastor, your next-door neighbor, your friend. It's up to you. Love that person. And you can have a good relationship with them about 98% of the time. Lord, we thank you for what has gone forth. We thank you for the speakers that were here that challenged us and encouraged us and just made us excited about what is going on at Eichard First Baptist Church and about the future here with Michael as pastor. Father, I pray for Michael. I pray that all would pray for him without ceasing, for Rachel also, so that they would be empowered to do your work here, Father, and be able to empower the people here to do your work. Thank you so much, Father, for the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ and for the fact that for whatever reason you allow us just regular people to be a part of what you are doing in this world. Amen.